49ers Cutback Podcast time, the fastest rising 49ers podcast. I'm Anthony Robertson, and here with me, the horse, Alex Horse. What's up, Horsey? What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Man, are you ready for this? This is going to be a fun one. I'm always ready to talk 49ers. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we've been so appreciative of all the listeners that have been joining us so far that we want to go ahead and do an episode with listeners' questions. So uh, if you would like to submit a question, you can submit a question to us at the 49ers Cutback on Twitter, or if you follow one of us on social media, you can do it there. We'd love to hear from you. I'll give you the information again at the end of the podcast. Um, But at 49ers Cutback on Twitter, go ahead and shoot us a question, and we'll feature it um, next week on the podcast as long as we don't get too many questions. Yeah, we would love to hear what you guys want us to talk about. Yeah, that's right. I mean, a lot of times we get to kind of push it, but, you know, these guys get to step into the step up and send us some uh, questions to our question end zone, if you know what I'm saying. All right. So the most intriguing position probably this year on the 49ers roster is the receiver position, wide receiver. So much unknown, so much, so much excitement about what it could be. And uh, especially after last year, Debo Samuel had such an amazing rookie year. He lined up everywhere in Kyle Shanahan's offense and made big plays in the run and passing game. So how big of a year can Debo Samuel have? I think Debo's primed for a big-time year. I think he's got all the makings of a Pro Bowl, all-pro type player. I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to be a first-team All-Pro this year, but I definitely think he's trending in the correct direction. He is – he's talented. He seems like a hard worker. His route running really seemed to improve throughout the year. He's physical. He's strong. It doesn't appear going over the middle. And then he's got the added bonus of being a plus in the rushing game. Yeah, that's what I see too. I mean – uh Coming on, you didn't exactly know what you were going to get from Debo Samuel, especially in his rookie year. But he had 57 catches for 802 yards and three touchdowns. And then he he carried the ball 14 times for 159 yards and three touchdowns. So 961 yards, six touchdowns. uh, That's a pretty good year. I mean, almost hit 1,000 yards from scrimmage. So, I mean, for a rookie to make that kind of impact was definitely impressive. Um, it's been better than, I mean, so many of the 49ers rookies in the past. Oh, man. So yeah, so I mean, uh, some of them are, shout out Rashawn Woods uh, or AJ Jenkins, huh? Oh. Yeah, I know. Bulky really hit a good one with that. Oh, man, that's an all timer. Jeez, I mean, it's, it's almost scary to think of. You kind of get nervous when they take a receiver in the first round. Uh, now because of that. L- luckily for us, Debo Samuel was a second-round pick. Yeah. All right, so do you think De- with Debo having almost 1,000 yards from scrimmage, is is this a year Debo can have 1,400 yards or more from scrimmage 
Uh, could he do that? Could he be the first to do that since Terrell Owens did that in 2001? Um, I definitely don't think we'll get 1,400 just receiving from him because I think Owens had – it was less than 20 yards rushing that year. It was like 11 or 13 or something like that. So it was all receiving yards. I don't think that he will get that many receiving. I think for him – to realistically have a shot at 1,400 yards from scrimmage, we're talking about 300-plus rushing yards, which is definitely doable with the way he's used in the offense. And the other reason that I don't know if it's going to happen, or there's two more reasons, is one, in 2001, T.O. had 155 targets. That is an insane number. Um they did not have much on offense outside uh, the skill positions outside of T.O. and Garrison Hurst that year. So Garrison Hurst, I think, caught like 40 balls that year. Owens had the 1,400-plus receiving. And I then the next best receiver was J.J. Stokes with right around 500 yards. I think the Niners' offense has more playmakers than that, and Shanahan really does a good job of spreading the ball around. So I don't know that we'll see him quite get there. I definitely think he has the potential. Um, the other big thing is Jeff Garcia threw 504 passes that season. Um, Garoppolo threw 476 this past year. So I don't know if Jimmy's going to throw 500-plus passes because of the fact that the 49ers are a run for team. Yeah, I think – Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have to step up a little bit this year as far as I think they'll probably throw more passes than they did last year for the mere fact that most teams are going to come in to take away the run game. So you're going to get these favorable matchups for the 49ers on the outside. The reason that I don't think Debo Samuel is going to quite get to 1,400 yards is because I think other people are going to take some of the some of the opportunities that he was going to have because I think that with Jalen Hurd, with Trent Taylor – George Kittle hopefully staying healthy the whole year, that it'll kind of take away some of the opportunities that he had. And I say hopefully because, you, I mean, if we have to go into the season with Debo Samuel being the real only option at wide receiver, it's going to be a problem. They're going to start focusing on him and take him away. Yeah. But with, with him being considered the 49ers' number one receiver this year that and not having Emmanuel Sanders, who was at least uh, – in the defensive game plan, they're going to have to uh, focus. They're going to focus so much more on uh, Devo this year. So I think he's going to see a little bit different coverages, uh, sometimes a better corner or a better game plan go uh, from the defense going into the game. But I still think he could be successful in the rush game. And I do expect him to probably have somewhere between 900 to a thousand yards receiving just because he really did prove that he's a great player and he can run after the catch. Yeah, I I mean, I just think it's the mark of a successful offense in this day and age is that you want multiple guys making plays. You don't – I don't know that you want that unless you have a Randy Moss, a Jerry Rice, a that type of player. I don't know that you want one guy getting 1,500 yards. When it's better, it would be much better for the Niners if Devo had 900 to 1,000. Kittle was right there in that range. And then maybe we had, you know, Trent Taylor in the six to seven hundred range, 
or NIUK in the five to six hundred range. You know, more guys making plays. I think yeah, it would be I mean, better yeah. for them as a team if Debo didn't quite get to that mark, but a lot of other guys had good years. Yeah, you're only as good as your supporting cast. I mean, look at all the years that Calvin Johnson played in Detroit, and he had, you know, basically no one. He was out there doing it by himself, and he put out monster mm-hmm. numbers, but they never did anything truly successful. And so um, I think that that would be too much if these guys have to put too much on their table. Jerry Rice always had John Taylor and Brent Jones, and I think that, you know, these receivers that are really good always have a good supporting cast. You know, I do think um, that he's the number one receiver for the 49ers, but I don't think he's the number one option for the 49ers, and I don't think defenses um, think that as well. It's definitely George Kittle. So let's move on to a conversation about George Kittle. Um, How much do you think George Kittle is worth? I mean, since the contract, you know, we're talking about extension for him. How much do you think he's worth? Well, before we get into this, I agree with you on your last point. The Kittle's our number one option. And Kittle, pro, I believe Pro Football Focus had him rated as the number one player in football last year. Correct. He brings so much to the table. He blocks well. He catches well. He's a great, you know, he's a great team guy. He's, he's you know, up and everyone's getting him excited when they're on the sideline. You hear him over there screaming Bosa's name when Bosa gets a sack. You know, he's a big-time player and a big-time teammate. Now, I know that the – I believe Hooper's contract was, like, the biggest tight end one, correct? Uh, actually, for per year, uh, Hunter Henry is actually paid this year more than Austin Hooper. But Austin Hooper and Hunter Henry – Henry's ten point six million. Hunter, I mean, uh, Hooper is uh, ten point five. Well, Hooper is the newest one, so I'm going to base it off that. Okay. Hooper got forty four million over four years with twenty three guaranteed. Um, Austin Hooper had about seventy five catches. It was right around eight hundred yards. Good player. Do I think he's George Kittle? I don't. Um. I think with Kittle, we're going to be looking in the 14 to 15 million a year range. I think he's worth that much. That is where it's not quite top receiver money, but it's the most, I believe he's going to get the most money for a tight end. Um, I'm thinking somewhere around five for 75 with about 50 guaranteed. Yeah, I mean, I think that's where we have to find out uh, where he exactly sits, right? We already know he's going to reset the tight end market. He's definitely better than any other tight end, um, except for maybe Travis Kelsey right there close by him. They're like 1A and 1B. But I feel like he's a better blocker than Travis Kelsey. Oh, I agree. But Kelsey's only making $9.4 million. So, I mean, George Kittle's going to be one that sets the mark and really changes everything. Yeah. So – I, I get what you're saying that it, you know, it's that 15 million range, you know, and, and that kind of gets into that kind of the, you know, the lower, or I guess the middle of the road receiver range. I get what you're saying. So, you're I mean, saying the bottom of the top. Yeah. Right. Cause you got like Adam Thielen making, you know, 16.2 million. So George Kittle would reset the tight end market, yeah. but still come in under the receivers 
just because a tight end isn't valued as much as a receiver, at least in my opinion, that's not they're not valued quite as much as a receiver at this point. But yeah, I mean, let's be honest. If you talk to anybody that watches the 49ers on a weekly basis, George is more valuable than Adam Thielen. Right. But now here's the question. At what point is he too expensive? Man, um, I hate to even think about that. Um, I would here's the hoping that he's the team guy that he, you know, seems to be and doesn't go for something ridiculous like 20 million. You know, I don't think he will. I think, man, if you start getting to that 18 range, that might be too much for tight end. That's a lot of money. That 18 to 20. Right. I mean, I, I think there is a point when the 49ers say, you know what, he's just too expensive. We need to move in another direction. Because Kyle Shanahan really schemes. I love George Kittle. I mean, he's probably my favorite player on the entire team. But I think it is. There's a point where you're just not as valuable as the money that you're demanding. Well, I think we saw and, that with DeForest Buckner. Exactly. And I think to you know maintain success going forward, you do have to set these numbers. And I know that John Lynch gets a number and he sets a value there and going over that number, he's real cautious about doing. They don't want to overpay anyone at any position. Now, George Kittle is definitely worth top end tight end money, but I mean, to think of him getting like a 17, 18 million dollars is crazy. That would be double what Kelsey's getting. I think that's just that's just way overreaching. I think you're right. Somewhere in the 14 to 15 million range makes the most sense. But going over that, really, I would. I, that's where I think the 49ers start thinking about possibly how can we move George Kittle and what kind of assets can we get back. Well, I'm pretty confident they'll get this done. I, I'd be pretty shocked if George Kittle doesn't get a long, doesn't end up on a long term extension. I agree because I think I think he wants to win, and I think he knows San Francisco wins. He likes Shanahan and the system. It definitely is catered to him. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. Now, speaking of guys in the contract year, one of Kittle's best friends, Trent Taylor, is looking to have a bounce back season after missing last season with an injury. Could Trent Taylor be a Pro Bowler this year? 49ers coaches thought so last year when they when they talked to Michael Silver. Trent Taylor is a guy that I really, really like. You know that from us talking 49ers. I really thought it hurt them when he got injured last year and couldn't play. Um, One, because he's just that safety blanket type guy that can just make catches over the middle all day, and he's going to be open. He runs good routes. He's not the defense's main focus. He'll catch the ball. You know, he'll catch over the middle. He's tough. Um, I don't know about a Pro Bowl level, but I think he's if he's healthy, he's due for a big year. I think he's due for a career year. Um, when those last five games that Jimmy started, um, in what was that now, 2017, he was Jimmy's favorite target. He was. They made a lot. They connected a lot. And from everything reporters said at practice up until. At workouts, both the year in 18 when Jimmy hurt his knee and last year till he got injured, they said that it continued to look that way like he was Jimmy's favorite target. 
Yeah, I mean, if you look at Trent Taylor's 2017 uh, numbers, they're very comparable with George Kittle. Both had 43 receptions. Uh, Trent Taylor had 430 yards. Kittle had 515. Both averaged over 10 yards a catch. Both of them had two touchdowns. So they were definitely going in the right direction. And then Jimmy gets hurt in 2018, and Trent Taylor his kind of took a step back. I mean, I think Trent Taylor wasn't all the way healthy, but – Without Jimmy there, Jimmy feels comfortable with those type of receivers because of Edelman, mm-hmm. the West Welker type in New England. So I think he really felt safe there, and I think they had a good chemistry. Matt Mayoko said last year Trent Taylor was the best receiver in camp until he suffered the foot injury. So I think that the, they're definitely high on him. I'm not sure that he is going to be a, a, a pro bowler. I definitely believe he can have a bounce back season, uh, but with the emergence of George Kittle and you know, and George Kittle being an All Pro and Debo Samuel getting a, a bunch of the touches, I'm just not sure there's enough football to go around for Trent Taylor to be a Pro Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I think to be honest, and like I said, I'm I'm expecting a good year from him. I think a year we can expect from Trent Taylor is 40 to 50 balls between 500 around 500 yards. Five touchdowns. I think I'd be extremely happy if Trent Taylor put that stat line up. Right. Yeah, I think I think if he can contribute and be at least a solid uh, converter of third downs and then be a, a real option in the red zone, I think the the value is huge. I mean, if even if even if he put up his rookie numbers, it would be fantastic. Yeah. All right, speaking of players that are going to be getting a lot of touches this year, uh, Brandon Ayuk, he ran a 4-5-40 at the NFL Combine. Not alarmingly slow, but not what many would hope for a prospect looking to be one of the top wide receivers drafted, especially in a rookie class so deep at receiver. The 49ers selected Ayuk at number 25 overall and were impressed with him when they traded up to do so. Team decision makers didn't let the 40 time bother them, because they knew Ayuk was capable of so much more. Um, so we find out why they were so comfortable with the four or five time. I mean, we, me and you have both touched on the core injury. But then we find out San Francisco had GPS data from Ayuk's final collegiate season with Arizona State, and he registered 21.97 miles per hour per game, which would have ranked – fourth in the NFL last year. So are are we in belief now that, you know what, Brandon Ayuk is a burner. He can stretch the field. He can be a big-time playmaker. I think um, definitely that 4-5 and 21, well, we'll just say 22 miles an hour about, you know, that doesn't compute. Um, so I think that definitely confirms our suspicions that he was not at full speed when he ran his 40 at the combine. I think if you watch his tape, once again, like I've stated before, you do not see him get ran down from behind. Four right. or five guys get ran down from behind. He does not. I've ever. I had never seen a clip of him getting run down from behind. His... His clips clearly show to me a mid to high four three guy. 
Yeah, I think that's real evident because the only three guys that finished with faster times, uh, miles per hour during the NFL season were Matt Breida, of course, against Cleveland with a 22.3. And then Cordell Patterson with a 22.23. And we know how fast he is. And then the Bengals safety, Brandon Wilson, who hit 22.03. So only those three guys were able to run faster than uh, Brandon Ayuk in, during a game. That's field speed. That's not 40-yard dash. That's not perfect conditions. That's field speed in a game, which I think is just so impressive. I think the fact and, that Tyree Kill is not on that list should tell you a lot. Right, and McCole Hardman. I mean, those guys are just blitzkrieg. So that really shows how much faster he really is than, like, say, a C.D. Lamb, who the 49ers were often, uh, you know, linked with, and Jerry Judy. So he's 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 definitely a four three guy. I think this is def- this is evidence of the fact that he's a four three guy, a blazer, and can take the offense to another level if he turns out to be what Kyle Shanahan thinks he can be. Yeah, it's definitely promising. If he truly ran that fast, that's impressive. We're talking – It really is. That's Reggie Bush speed. That's that's a lot. Right? I mean, you you wonder if the core injury, um, you know, wouldn't have been there. Would he have ran a mid four threes? Would he have been up there, you know, closer to where – you know, Henry Ruggs was, you know, I mean, not, not Henry Ruggs fast. Cause that's, he's so fast. He makes fast people look <laughs> not fast, but you know, it, it's, it's definitely up there in that, that elite level speed, which I think the Niners needed, especially, you know, with some of the guys they have, they don't really have anyone that's a straight burner. They had good one. But I think Ayuk is a more talented receiver overall in the future than Goodwin is. Yeah. Right and Goodwin, I, I like Marquise, but Goodwin's injury prone. He's Goodwin is a track guy that's done a good job adjusting to football. Where Ayuk is a fo- hopefully it seems is a football player with track speed. Right, I, I think he's a real football player. His uh, you know, the way he catches the ball and and gets the yards after the catch is is next level. Um, so I I, I just get more excited and excited about him. Now I'm I'm excited about Brandon Ayuk. But I would be lying if I wasn't saying that one of the things I'm most excited about is John Lynch talking about the red shirt receivers. He's talking about Tramp Taylor and the guy I'm excited about, Jalen Hurd. And interestingly enough, Dante Pettis, he says they're red shirts and the team expects a lot from them this year. Do we think, what do we think about Pettis being lumped in as a red shirt with Taylor and Hurd who were injured? The hopeful side of me would hope that that means that whatever issue there was between Shanahan and Pettis, because there clearly was some sort of issue, and maybe it's more on Shanahan's side, you know, than Pettis's, but he clearly did not um, love everything about Pettis last year. He was clearly in his doghouse. Um, Hopefully what that means is that's all water under the bridge, that it's a fresh start. Uh, and that um, he's got back in Shanahan's good graces because we saw at the end of 2018 the kind of impact Pettis can make. He's a very talented player. 
Um, there's a reason he was ranked so highly coming out of University of Washington. He was he's a really explosive guy. He's got good footwork. He runs good routes. Um, so whatever the deal was last year, there's reports he was out of shape. And then I know the other report came in. I don't know if you read this one that um, when Emmanuel Sanders used to have the other receivers come in and watch extra film with him, that it would be Emmanuel Sanders, Kendrick Bourne, Devo Samuel, and Richie James. And they clearly left right. out Dante Pettis, his name. So maybe Pettis didn't hit the film room as hard as the coaches would like. You know, something to that effect. But I really hope it means that Pettis is back in Shanahan's good graces or at least going to get a fair shot. Well, I think Dante Pettis is a interesting cat. I think he kind of does things his own way. He kind of beats to his own drum. So I think sometimes it's hard to kind of tell what kind of player that Dante Pettis can be. I think we, we look at his rookie season – and he had such an impact that I, and even had some injuries. It's, yet he still put up 27 catches, 467 yards, and five touchdowns. He was averaging 17.3 yards of play. And I mean, I think that you look at that, he has a lot of versatility. He can, he can play in the slot, he can play out wide. You know, he can run the jet sweeps. He's a return guy. I mean, he was the first guy I think that Shanahan was real high on. And you know, I think this goes back to training camp. Like you said, you know, uh, Shanahan implored the receiving group to perform better after the Kansas City scrimmage. And he said about Pettis, he's still trying to earn a role on this team and show what he's capable of doing consistently. So I think that Shanahan was trying to kind of show some tough love and kind of implore him to step up his game and, and really take the next step. Because I think he was – expecting Dante Pettis to help be a veteran presence. He had been there for a year now. He can kind of help take that next step. And he could have been the Debo. What we were what we're expecting from Debo this year, I think he was expecting from Pettis last year. And then you know and and then all of a sudden during the season, uh Pettis kind of has a few weeks where he's starting to perform. And Shannon says, I've been real excited with Dante the last few weeks. I mean, everyone knows that I Put a little bit of pressure on him going through training camp and it wasn't going exactly how my expectations were which are extremely high it's more of a credit to Dante because I just believe in him a lot and he wasn't totally there where I wanted him to be he really took the challenge and weeks three through seven were promising for he him caught the winning he touchdown. averaged 45.8 snaps he caught the winning touchdown against right. Pittsburgh correct I believe, yeah, he caught a winning touchdown versus Pittsburgh, and he caught a touchdown against uh, Arizona. Yeah, and it looked like all was going well, and then he kind of fell off the face of the earth again. It, yeah, the place he falls off the face of the earth is against. Yeah, Seattle. he had a bad game. I remember this game. It's it's at home. He's targeted three times, and he doesn't get any catches, and he had catchable balls. And after the game, Shanahan says. He had a number of opportunities, and I'm one of the guys who believes in him. That, once again, he says, I'm one of the guys that believe in him the most. That's why he's here. He had his opportunities. There's The, the more he doesn't take advantage of these opportunities, 
the less opportunities he gets. So that's kind of the, the point when Kyle expected him. He told him to that high standard. This is what I expect you to be. And Dante Pettis didn't deliver. And Shanahan was pissed. And I think some of it has to, to do with the fact the 49ers lost a close game. But it really shows that Kyle, this is a Kyle guy. Kyle believed in this pick. This was Kyle's pick. That's why he keeps saying I and he keeps yeah. trying to show tough love. And Dante Pettis just isn't responding at the rate at which well, he I wants mean, it to be. Well, I mean, to be completely honest, and you know I'm a fan of this guy, there is no reason that Kendrick Bourne should be on the field over Dante Pettis athletically. But yes, exactly. when you, the difference between the two is, you know, there, there's obviously been some questions about Pettis's work ethic, like I just alluded to, is that you got a guy like Kendrick Bourne comes in undrafted. That guy is probably working his butt off, you know, to get in the lineup. And he's not, and those kind of guys aren't going to be a real easy guy to take their job back from once they take your job. Because Kendrick Bourne's playing for, I don't know what his salary was, but I'm sure it wasn't very high. And now he got his little bit of money. But to be, and I like the guy, you know, I'm a fan of Bourne. Um, but to be honest, <laughs> he's not a better athlete than Dante Pettis. Dante Pettis has all the tools to be a much better football player than him, but we continually saw Bourne on the field and not him. Right. I, I think Shanahan is irritated. And, I mean, I, I'm, I'm really hoping that Dante Pettis sees the opportunity because if Dante Pettis doesn't step up this year, not only will it be his last year with the 49ers, it will be probably his yeah. last year in the league. He's definitely at a crossroads this year. All right, so we're talking about the three redshirt players. Can all of these players contribute this season? Every report I've read, well, with Pettis, like we just talked about, I think that's more on him. Um, The other two, as far as Hurd and Taylor, I'm sure you mean injuries, correct? Right. I'm just saying, can they, if they're both healthy, can they contribute? Can all three of them contribute to the offense? I don't see any reason why they couldn't. Um, Hurd brings a lot of versatility. He's big, he's strong, he's fast. He can play receiver. He played, he was a 250 carry running back in the SEC his freshman year. So he can clearly run the ball out of the backfield if you need him to. And then he can come out and go out wide or in the slot. He's, he's a very versatile guy. He's got a lot of talent. And I think he would have got. I think he would have made some waves last year had he not gotten injured. Um, Taylor, I think we've seen what a healthy Trent Taylor can do, and it's something you want on the field. Um, And all the reports I've read about both guys is that both guys are fully operational. I know for a fact I saw the video where Hurd is running routes and stuff full speed now and lifting weights and good to go. I'm not sure where Trent Taylor's at, you might know, but I know that all signs pointed to him being ready for camp, you know, full go first day. Right. I, I think Trent Taylor's going to be good to go. I believe that they definitely can. I think all three players are different, and they all have different roles in the 49ers offense. Trent Taylor is a slot guy. He's quick in space and can make tough contested catches. 
especially on third down, which is huge because so many times it was Jimmy Garoppolo to George Kittle. And that was like a big option. And that's pretty much all it was. Trent Taylor could take some of that pressure off. And I think Jimmy's really comfortable with him with Pettis. He can play in the slot or he can go outside and he can stretch the field. I mean, he, he's that one of those guys that has that ability to stretch the field, but he can also be in the slot and catch a slant and take it the distance. He's a, he's a playmaker. He's a, a Debo Samuel type uh, presence on the field. And you're right with Jalen Hurd. I mean, the dude can play the power slot, which I think that's where Kyle wants to play him. He can play tight end. They had mentioned that before. He can play outside. He can play in the backfield. I know you covered that, so I'm not going to touch on that. But he's super quick in space, and he's able to lose defenders. So if they try to cover him up with the wrong kind of player, he can lose them in space. And if he catches the ball, he's dangerous in space because of his running back background. So I definitely think all three are matchup problems, and all three have different roles that can fit into Kyle's offense. And I mean, that's why Kyle's brought these guys in for and specific ne- roles. So I neither I of us think mentioned that Pettis could end up being the punt returner. Exactly. He was a I believe he holds the Pac twelve record for punt return touchdowns, if I'm not mistaken. I, I believe you're right. And you know what? It makes a lot of sense for a Pettis is maybe more of a receiving threat than Richie James. Also, Brandon Ayuk with uh, some return ability that this might be the kind of the beginning of the end for uh, Richie James. Well, with Richie James, who I don't dislike, but it's another situation with him and Pettis. If he were to make the team over Pettis, that's on Pettis because Pettis is the much more gifted guy. Now, if he right. were to make the team and Pettis doesn't, that would signal serious issues with probably Pettis's work ethic. Yeah, exactly. So, Horace, is Pettis going to be the one that makes the impact, or which one of these three do you think will make the biggest impact? In I am going to go out on a limb with Jalen Hurd. I think Jalen Hurd is due for a big year. I think he's very gifted guy. We have already gone over all the stuff he can do. He's a matchup nightmare. You can line him up all over the field, and he's big, he's physical, and fast to go with it. Then once he has the ball, like you said, he's got a running back's mentality as far as he's not going to be the easiest guy on the field to tackle. Right. I, I mean, I, I think you're I think you're right on this, except I think for Jalen Hurd, I don't think he's kind of kind of hit his stride until middle of the season. So I think at the beginning of the year, I think Trent Taylor is probably going to make the biggest impact. Um, he's great on third down in the red zone, which I've said before. And just the yeah. chemistry with Jimmy, I think it's going to be, you know, real like 2017 again for those two guys. And he'll take a lot of pressure off. But I, I, I definitely think that Jalen Hurd is going to come on strong this year. I think people are going to talk about Jalen Hurd next year the way they talk about Peter yeah, this year. I think both those guys, hopefully all three, are in for good years. So speaking of Jalen Hurd, uh, Peter King had some uh, talking points about Jalen Hurd when he was talking to John Lynch on a, on a podcast. And he said last year, after watching the 49ers training camp, 
He got into the car, and one of the women that was with them asked him, we just saw the offensive part of – she said, what did you think? And he said, we just saw the offensive rookie of the year. And he was talking about Jalen Hurd. Do you agree I mean, with Peter I think King? after we watched – what preseason game did he play and Who were they playing? The Broncos? Uh, I believe okay. he played against the Cowboys. That, that, after watching that game, excuse me, folks, for not remembering, um, I think he was the guy, all the Niner fans' man crush. You know, every year in the preseason, there's one of those guys that becomes everyone's man crush that comes in with the second team or the third team. And I think he was that guy. I think if you asked a lot of Niner fans, we were expecting big things. For him, I think there were a lot of disappointed people when he got injured because the guy, I mean, in a little bit of time he played, showed big-time playmaking ability. And I don't know if Peter King was wrong. I don't know if he would have been Rookie of the Year, but I think he would have been a big-time impact player. Right. I mean, the first thing that John Lynch said after that was, we saw Jalen Hurd for 14 practices and in those 14 practices, he was probably the best player on the field. So right away, that goes to signal that there definitely is something special yeah. about Jalen Hurd. And, I mean, when you're when you're looking at Jalen Hurd, you mentioned him playing running back at Tennessee and then going to Baylor. He, he really is the ultimate positionless player. Uh, Kyle Shanahan likes to draft guys that he's considered positionless players, guys that can do a lot of different roles. That's what he did with uh, Debo Samuel. That's what he did with uh, Jalen Hurd. That's what he did with Jawan Jennings. It's these guys that kind of can play a bunch of different positions, and you just don't know what to do with them. And I think the reason that Jalen Hurd was drafted is Kyle Shanahan really saw an opportunity to put Jalen Hurd in situations where he can be a real matchup problem. I mean, if a defense doesn't know – what personnel grouping to have because you don't know if Jalen Hurd is lining up at running back. You don't know if he's lining up in the slot. You don't know you don't know if he's lining up out wide or at tight end. It really makes it hard for the defense to match up. And if you if the defense gets into a dime situation, you can line up Jalen Hurd in the backfield, George Kittle at tight end, and run the ball. They'll run it outside zone or inside zone, and that's that could be a, a real problem for the defense. But if the defense goes to a nickel, now you can motion Jalen Hurd out, and now he's a matchup problem for a safety or a linebacker. So, or And if you do cover him with the right guy, then George Kittle's the matchup problem. So it really creates a lot of issues, and I think that's why the positionless player is going to be so important and why Jalen Hurd might actually be the key to unlock the full arsenal of Yeah, Kyle I know Shanahan's you offense. feel similar. Jalen Hurd is probably the player I'm looking the most forward to watching this year. Um, as far as the guys we don't know much about, Jalen, I right really think he has the chance to be a special player. Yeah, I think so too. I, I, I just, I mean, the possibilities with him, Debo, and Brandon Ayuk, just the all these guys that they have, all these weapons. Yeah, they're unproven and they've had injuries, but the possibilities of them fitting into the offense and just stressing defenses out. I mean, if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm staying up at night because 
If Jalen Hurd becomes the player that he can, and you have to worry not only now where George Kittle is, not only where Debo Samuel is, but now you've got Jalen Hurd who could play in the backfield or in a slot or out wide, and now he's he's 6'4", he's 230 pounds. He's a matchup issue for almost every player on the field. He's faster than the linebackers. He's bigger than the safeties, and he's, you know, a lot bigger than the corners. So, I mean, I think you're going to see him in the backfield. And, I mean, nothing scarier than Brandon Ayuk streaking down the field, George Kittle coming down the seam, then running a fake fly to Debo, and Jalen Hurd coming yeah. out of the backfield. I mean, that's just – it just it just screams yeah, scary matchup problem. I hope so. I'm really hoping so because I think that he could be a very big piece to them being a great team again. And if it's not Jalen Hurd, you think that it, the reason they drafted Jawan Jennings was to fit that Jalen Hurd power slot? He wouldn't be able to do the running back stuff, but do you think he's kind of that power slot that Kyle thinks is yeah, so important for the offense? Yeah, I think he's Jalen Hurd with less potential. Um, you know, I was, watch- I was watching Jawan Jennings, and I want to see what you think about this. Do you think Jawan Jennings is kind of – when I saw him, I thought he was kind of a guy that wasn't going to get a lot of separation but could make catches in kind of a Anquan Bolden-ish way. What do you what do you think? You think that's a fair comparison, Jawan Jennings, Anquan Bolden? I'm not saying that he's going to be Anquan Bolden. I'm just saying, you know, from the fact that he won't get separation but he's big, physical, and seems to make yeah, good I catches in traffic. Yeah, I think has a lot of potential. I think he's – I think he could end up a real good player. I was high on him in our episode right after the draft, after I watched some videos of him. Um, he clearly, like, what did he run? Like a 4-7 something? He clearly yeah, four, seven, plays two. faster than that, you know, by watching him on film against SEC corners. Um, and he, like we said before, he played with a crappy quarterback situation. I mean, the only memorable thing I can say about any of his quarterbacks is apparently Josh Dobbs is interning at NASA right now. Which, when they're, when they're reporting more on a guy's um, off-the-field internships than his football ability, doesn't say a whole lot about him. Not so, I mean, really. like I said before, yeah. I'm not saying he's as good as these guys, but, you know, you got Judy and Ruggs playing with Tua. You got Justin Jefferson and these guys playing with Joe Burrow. You got, you know, Michael Pittman played with um, Keaton Slovis, who most people have as a top 10 college quarterback coming back. You have the guys from Ohio State played with Fields. I mean, I think he's the same situation as the Donovan Peoples-Jones. Is that I'm not sure we know how good he is because his quarterback play wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, besides Donovan Peoples Jones just being a better athlete, I don't think Donovan Peoples Jones, though, right? I, we both agree he doesn't have the attitude or physicality no. that Dewan Jennings has. <laughs> and, you know, and I am curious to see what, what Kyle Shanahan has figured out for him, but I have a kind of a I kind of wonder what he has figured out for everyone because he's never really had all of his pieces, yeah. right? He's never gotten to put all his pieces on the chessboard and kind of maneuver it around. This will be the first year that he's got, as long as everyone stays healthy, that he can kind of 
use these uh, different pieces to do different things. And that might be scary yeah, I'm, for everyone. I'm else. really cu- curious to see the mad scientist over there. What questions do you want to ask us? Because on the next show, like we talked about at the beginning, we're going to let you guys send us questions. We're going to answer your questions on the next podcast. So if you have a question for us, go ahead and send it to us on Twitter at 49ers Cutback. Or if you follow one of us on social media, you can send us a question on there. Right, Horst? Yeah, so if you do not have a Twitter or don't have trouble finding us on Twitter, you can find me on Instagram at Coach Horst. That's Coach H-O-R-S-T. And you can find Anthony on on Instagram at Coach Ant, though. That's Coach H O. So if you want to send us a question on there, if you either don't have a Twitter or have trouble finding us or trouble using Twitter, you're go ahead. You're welcome to go ahead and send us a question on there. We will shout your name out on the air if you want us to, or who sent the questions in. Thank you, and we appreciate the listeners. Thank you for listening to the 49ers Cutback Podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Google Pods, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Don't forget to click the follow button so you won't miss an episode. You can also follow us on Twitter at 49ers Cutback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Stay safe and remember the right way is always the 49ers way.